broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Just a little programming note. We uh, just scheduled Mo DeKeel from Bleacher Report and also the podcast from the Athletic NBA to join us at 4.30. Talk some NBA action as Miami tries to put Boston away in Game 5 this evening. We'll talk about the Nuggets and the Lakers. We'll talk about LeBron's future. We'll talk all things NBA. That's coming up with Mo DeKeel at 4.30. Good friend of the show. Uh, getting back to Raiders conversation. Want to get into some Josh McDaniel sound, but we also want to hear from you. Raider Nation at 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. We'll talk all things Jimmy G coming up at about 30 minutes from now with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. We'll kind of talk about the quarterback rankings and the fact that Jimmy G's ranked 24th, and there's some quarterbacks that I think a little suspect ranked ahead of him, but that's just me. Uh, but then again, on the day we find out that he's still injured, it's a hard day to say where he should be ranked because, well, He's not available right now. So we do want to hear from you. What are your thoughts? What's your level of concern? 702-365-9200 and also 69187, keyword r Remember, it's just May 25th, so no time to hit the panic button just yet. But I believe concern is okay. Jim from Yonkers said, I'm very concerned. What bothers me about this is that hiding information is a form of lying. Love to see O'Connell go in and not give up the job. Thanks for a great show. That's Jim from Yonkers. And, you know, the thing about it is, and kind of knew that this was coming when, we, when, when Vinny asked the question about Jimmy G and his availability, and it wasn't really – it wasn't given an answer like, oh, yeah, he's not, he's not available, or uh, he's rehabbing a surgery that he just had. It was just kind of a vague answer. You just kind of knew that, okay, it's going to leave for a, for a lot of room of speculation. And I think that the Raiders might have done themselves a disservice by doing that. Now, I know – that they don't want to, that, you know, they're not going to put someone's old business out in the street with everything that they got going on. But I almost feel like, and I know Josh McDaniels has said this multiple times, that he doesn't like putting timetables and giving timetables to things and situations. But it almost feels like this situation would have made a little bit more sense to put somewhat of a timetable. Like, yeah, he's still rehabbing, but he'll be re- available for training camp. Like, I think that that would have been a lot probably better. I'm sure that's what the fan base would have liked to hear. Hell, that's what I would have liked to hear. But – you know, then again, if he's not available for training camp, then it kind of goes back to, well, you said, and I know that that's exactly why, uh, that's exactly why he didn't say that, but I'm looking up at the TV screen in my home studio right now, and it says, Jimmy Garoppolo underwent foot surgery after signing a deal with Raiders in March. First reported by the Athletic, ESPN source says, all is trending great. And that's, I mean, that's on ESPN right now, so it's a developing story. Everyone is, you know, kind of up in arms about it, and, and of course we're talking about it because it's a big deal. He's 1-32. of 32. He's a starting quarterback for the Silver and Black, and he's on the shelf right now because he's still rehabbing a surgery that he had post-signing with the Silver and Black. Yeah, it just goes to optics, as we say, where if it, when yeah. he signs, hey, Jimmy's also recovering from foot surgery, but we have no doubt about he's going to be ready for training camp. Don't you worry. Right. Now, they don't have to do that, but that makes it just as a quick aside when you sign him, and maybe he gets one question about it, now it being something that's newsworthy coverage when, you, when it's first announced in May. Right, exactly. And again, like you said, they don't have to say anything, and that's fine. Uh, we don't have to know anything. We take it as we receive it, but now it's – Really, it is a you know a bigger deal nationally. Not that you know the coverage really matters at this stage. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Who we got up to, man? Michael in Vegas. Michael, right here in the seven zero two. What's on your mind? 
Q, how you doing? I'm hey, blessed, I, wanted, I really would like you to stress Raider defense. Okay. Just like we did before the draft, the defense must improve mm-hmm. before the Raiders can improve. Okay. The offense is fine. The, uh, there's nothing wrong with the offense. Is can we stop the other team? Right. And if Raider Nation would get behind the Raider defense and let's secure that defense, we're going to be better than a top twenty ESPN team. Okay, I like it. Let me let me ask you this. We talked about this the other day, but I want to get your thoughts. Uh, who do you think needs to play really well to give the Raiders, especially that defense, an opportunity to succeed in twenty twenty three? To tell you the truth, it's a collective effort. Okay. I wouldn't mind there being interchangeable parts, but when they come in, they do their job. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Michael, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, the defense is is very important, and that's something that we talked about the, the other day on the show when I was saying, and I kind of broke down who I'm looking at to, uh, you know, to really help the Raiders out in 2023, and I was looking at the defensive line. I was talking about Crosby, Tyree, and Chandler Jones, uh, but, you know, the, the, the main focus has to be on the defense, and, you know, as I, I said multiple times, and, and obviously Jimmy G's availability is important, but, you know, I think that he'll be fine. He'll get the ball to Devontae. He'll get the ball to Michael Mayer. He'll get the ball to Jacoby Myers. Josh Jacobs will run and get his touchdowns and get his yards. He'll get 1,000 yards on the season, right? I mean, I'm not worried about that happening. I'm not worried about that at all, but you're right, Michael. I mean, they've got to be able to stop somebody they've got to be able to create some turnovers they've got to be able to sack the quarterback they've got to be able to get some strip sacks I mean they've got to be able to do something that they haven't done in a really long time which is be a defense that's worth assault you're you're spot on when you say that and and, you know again that's that's going to be a big key and they have a lot of new parts I'm not saying they have a whole whole lot of you know, like young rookies that were high draft picks. They do in Tyree Wilson. You know, they obviously uh, they went out and got Byron Young in round three, uh, Bennett in round four. But it's not like the whole the whole unit is is all rookies, but it's still a lot of new parts. Like Marcus Epps, who talked to the media today, he's new, right? David Long, you know, Brandon Faison, he makes a return. You know, Duke Shelley was another guy they signed. Robert Spillane is new to the team. So there's a lot of new parts on the defensive side of things that are going to have to come together, and that's going to be the job of Patrick Graham putting the sauce together, putting it all together and figuring out how they're all going to come together as quickly as possible. Because you're right, they definitely need that defense to step up in a major way. So, uh, you know, but again, if Jimmy G and getting back to the conversation we're having today, fast forward to today, if, if Jimmy G is not available for like, say the beginning of the season, or he misses a handful of games, then that means the defense has to be that much better. That means that the defense is going to have to make more plays, more tur- turnovers, maybe even score a few. Right. I mean, cause I, I don't think anyone listening believes that Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell is going to be ready to go in there and steer the ship and be all good. Right. So, uh, you know, the more the more time that Jimmy's going to miss, if he if he misses any time that that'll all of a sudden put that much more stress on the Raiders defense. Thanks for that call, though. Great stuff. I do appreciate you. It's good to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Who's up next? Come Houston from L.A. Oh, my guy. Houston from L.A. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, hey, what's going on, my man? Chilly, hey. man. How you doing? Uh- Good. I'm just gonna make that smooth transaction from Lakers basketball to <laughs> Dodgers baseball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, on the on the on the Raider note, I'm just um, you know, you always hear 
the front end works with the back end, and the mm-hmm. back end works with the front end. I think it's going to be reversed, man, because I like a lot of these DBs we picked up. And um, Hobbs, bro, like, when you're out there trying to ball with a broken hand, right. let's see you try to tackle somebody that's full force over 200-plus sometimes coming straight at you. And along with that, you know how um, – Fast these quarterbacks throw the ball, man. So it's like imagine the pressure, you know, of a of a football going that fast at you, a person coming at you that fast. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give I'm gonna give uh, Hobbs a mulligan, bro, because he's a good player, man. So I'm, I'm not even gonna do him like that. But um, I'm just thinking if we can figure out, you know, the the, the middle linebacker situation, you know, and a, and a, you know a couple cats there, then we should be looking a lot better because I really am impressed. There's not no real big shutdown names on this defense, but I like the numbers, man. I mean, you know, as far as how they played, and those numbers are important. And then I forgot my man, thirty-seven, but I, 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 that brother, he Hall. improved. Tyler Hall. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, he he improved. I saw him hands on, like when he first got out there, and I just saw improvement every week. And so I, I think those brothers are gonna work good together. I think the back end is gonna. Help the front end. Okay. I like it. I like it. Great call, man. Great call. It's always good to hear from you. And I like that transition from L.A. Laker basketball to Dodger baseball. And then you'll be good to go when it comes to the Raiders season. So, it's like I said, it's always good to hear from you. And, yeah, I mean, I always say that. And I know people like to argue about it depending on their preferences. Everyone knows that I'm a big fan of DBs. I get it. But I also understand that, yeah, DBs win games, but they win games because the guys on the front end are helping. But the guys on the front end are helping because the DBs are playing really well on the back end, right? They go together. Like, I don't believe that there's one area that's more important than the other. I really don't. I think that they have to gel. Uh, obviously, if you have a really good pass rush, it makes the job of the DB that much better. But it also makes the job of the pass rushers that much easier when you have a DB that's worth the salt that can actually cover for a little bit of time as well. So, again, they go together. And, uh, yeah, if the, if the secondary uh, is, is, could be young and just kind of fly around the ball and make some plays, that's going to make those guys on the front end that much better and vice versa. So, really good to hear from you. I do appreciate you. We'll get one more text, and then we'll take a break and get to some sound from head coach Josh McDaniels. This comes from Jordan, Utah County. Don'tBeBroke.com text line. He said, I'm really 50-50 on being concerned versus calm. The Raiders training staff, from what I've heard, is a good one, and there's a long way until the season. But another lingering lower body injury for Jimmy G is never good. The front office knew about the surgery prior to the signing. I don't think Ziegler, Kelly, or McDaniels would continue with the signing if it was too serious. As Jordan, Utah County, and I agree 100% with that. Uh, Vinny alluded to that as well. Could you imagine, though, could you imagine what kind of S show that would have been if that signing had been delayed? And then they were like, yeah, you know what? This injury is too bad. We can't sign you. And then all of a sudden, then what? Then what? Because you don't have the quarterback that you feel you know, comfortable going forward with. Then you almost have to go and do something reckless in the draft to go get a quarterback because who's the guy? Right? I mean, who would be your guy? So uh, luckily for them, it worked out the way it did. But, man, could you imagine if – he ends up in Vegas to go and sign his contract, and he never ended up signing that contract because that injury was something they didn't feel comfortable with. Oh, that could that could have been that could have been a rough one, my man. Jacoby Brissett would have been on speed dial. <laughs> I mean, I can't think I can't think of who else would have been that late in the game. I mean, that late in the game, it, it wouldn't have been there. Wouldn't have been too many good options. The Raiders would have literally had to. And this is the good thing that they didn't have to do it. And, and Dave Ziegler said this to me in Phoenix at the owners' meetings. Having Jimmy G did not force their hand to do something that they might not have wanted to do. It did not make them desperate. If they didn't have Jimmy G, 
They would have literally been desperate. Then they would have had to make sure they go and get a, a rookie quarterback that they felt comfortable with that could potentially start right away. So then they're maybe trading up to number two and getting a C.J. Stroud. And who knows how that works in the long run, but you know you're giving up draft capital instead of picking up a young defensive guy. So I think it's all going to work out. I really do. I don't want to say that I'm 100% sure because I'm not. And I don't want to blow smoke up your backside and act like that I'm some kind of insider that knows. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm learning as you're learning, right? I'm getting information as you're getting information. And right, what we do know is Jimmy G's not cleared right now, but he's working his way, progressing his way through the rehab process, according to head coach Joshua Daniels. Speaking of Joshua Daniels, we hear from him next. Spray Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 318 is the time. Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Been getting a ton of feedback today. Love all the feedback from Raider Nation, both on the phone line and the text line. And I love the fact that nobody's like over-the-top panic, like the sky is falling panic. But I think a level of concern is okay. Like I have a level of concern, and I try not to get too worked up about anything. But I have a level of concern when it comes to Jimmy G and the, and the injury just because it's Jimmy G and he's been injured a bunch in his career. So, I mean, it's just it, it's definitely something to think about. So, earlier this morning around 9 a.m. and we have Brad Spielberger coming up from Pro Football Focus about 3.30. About 9 o'clock this morning, head coach Josh McDaniels met with us, and one of the first questions he was asked about was Jimmy G. I believe Vinny Bonsignor asked him the question, and he just gave us the response to Jimmy G's status available for the OTAs. There's a number of guys, you won't see him today. There's a number of guys that you're not going to see. Uh, again, I'm not going to, you'll see him. I mean, I'm not going to run down a list every time here, but, um, you know, no, he's he's going through his process just like we knew he would. Um, nothing has happened that would surprise us based on, you know, the information we had. Same thing with Tyree. Again, you know, there's a number of guys you're not going to see out there today. So, um, you know, rehabbing the things that they're rehabbing, and again, we know we don't play a game for over 100 days. So, um, you know, they're doing everything they can do to, to get right. And when they're all ready to go, then eventually they'll be, they'll be back on the field. And that's the key right there. They don't play a game for 100 days, right? Him, when you talk about Jimmy G, you talk about Tyree Wilson, the first-round pick. Obviously, he's, you know, one a guy who's out there rehabbing as well. And, you know, I would say that there's a little, little level of concern. I'm excited about Tyree Wilson. I think he's going to be a good player. But, I mean, you're talking about a big guy with a foot injury. Right. I mean, so I, I think that it's valid to have a little bit of concern about him as well. And I was one of the guys pounding the table for them to draft him. I was excited about the opportunity. I think that he's going to be a really good player. We'll hear from his uh, defensive coordinator at Texas Tech probably probably next week sometime later in the week or so. But we'll catch up with him and, you know, talk about what Tyree Wilson brings to the table. But I think there should be a level of concern when it comes to him as well. And so Vinny followed up with that about Jimmy G and asked him about, well, is there a chance that he could not be available till training camp? could be i mean i'd say with all these guys it's about the same like i said when they're ready um some of them may be ready you know before the the spring is over some of them may not you know and, and again we're always going to air at this time of the year on being smart um you know we don't play a football game till like i said three and a half months so um to try to rush them out there to get them out there in may i mean it's that's a you know support decision so um doing a great job all these guys are doing a great job with what they can do in terms of the rehab they're in all the meetings you know all the football things that they can do that you know uh, aren't aren't jeopardizing anybody's ability to be ready to go here for the season uh, they're doing all those things and 
uh, the guys that aren't out there, like I said, they'll just, you know, as soon as they're ready, they'll be there. So really, I mean, there you go. That's, that, that sums it up in a nutshell. What was really said to a T about Jimmy G and any other guy that was really injured or not really injured, but wasn't available out there today. And again, it's voluntary. So even if they were 100% healthy, it doesn't necessarily mean that they were all going to be out there anyway, even though there was a really good amount of attendance as far as OTAs goes. But remember, OTAs is just voluntary, but June 6th, that's when all of a sudden, that's when it's mandatory. And anyone who's got a contract, Josh Jacobs obviously does not have a contract right now. He has not signed that franchise tag deal. He won't be out there unless he signs his contract before then. But besides that, everyone else needs to be out there and accounted for one way or the other. So, DeMar, we'll skip that last injured player question because it's just kind of the same The same answer. We'll go immediately to uh, the kickoff rule. That's something that I wanted to make sure I asked head coach Josh McDaniels about. They have a really good kicker when it comes to Daniel Carlson. We know the rule now that you can fair catch a kickoff and you can get it at the 25. I don't like it. We spent multiple days talking about it, and I want to know what the head coach thought. So I asked them about the new kickoff rule. The rules are the rules, and, and, and again, we have one vote out of 32, and so um, and, and sometimes we, we, we may see it differently a little bit too. You know, that's just part of each organization in football. And so uh, for me personally, whatever the rules are, we're going to adopt, you know, the best philosophy that we can to try to play within the rules. And, and if there's an advantage we can find, you know, to, to play within them, then we're going to try to do it. So obviously that's the, the rule we're going to adopt this year, and um, we're at, hard at work trying to figure it out. I don't know all the ins and outs right now yet. Um, in terms of seeing the different questions we had when it was proposed. Um, like, you know, if, if we're kicking off from the 50-yard line, is the rule still in play or is there no fair catch then? You know what I mean? When, you, when there's a defensive penalty on a scoring play or something like that and you choose to enforce the penalty on the kickoff, you know, is the fair catch still applicable or not? You know what I mean? There's little things like that that I'm not exactly sure how it's going to be finally written. Um, but you know, like I said, there's pros and cons to all of them. There really is. Um, I can see it both ways. Number one, I'd say is I'm for whatever makes the game safer. Um, so if the players, if, if that's an, if that's a play where more injuries are occurring, more head injuries are occurring, more head impact is occurring. Um, I have no, I have no right to stand up here and say, you know, we need to be doing more of it if that's what we're trying to avoid. Um, because obviously player safety and health, uh, comes first. So there's Josh McDaniels talking about the kickoff rule. And, you know, the Raiders were one of the teams that, that didn't vote. They just said they're going to pull an Al Davis and they're just not going to vote on that one. Uh, obviously, they were opposed to it. Obviously, they didn't like that one. And, and I get it. When you have a kicker like Daniel Carlson, I wouldn't, wanna, I wouldn't want that vote to go through either. And, and honestly, I don't think that it was just the Raiders. I think most teams across the league, the players and coaches, didn't like that rule. The owners, they were all for it. They were fine. Roger Goodell really pushed for that. But – Demond, earlier you asked Vinny if you thought that the if he thought that the Raiders were looking for a loophole right now on that on that uh, rule. That answer that head coach Joshua Daniels gave told me when I asked it that they're looking at loopholes right now. Like you know, if we kick off from the fifty, if they pick it up off the ground, I mean, I definitely believe, and this is a special teams coordinator's job. That's what they should do. They should find a way to take advantage of the rule, however it's written, even if they can't do like they were doing. Uh, you know, placing it at the one or two yard line and making teams return it. Okay, so they 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 can fair catch it and get it at twenty five. Well, now what do we do? So yeah, they're definitely looking at a, a at a loophole, and I'm sure that they'll practice a lot throughout the course of training camp on what they can do, what they can't do, try to find any kind of advantage, and they should. That's exactly what they should do. You shouldn't just gift 
the 25-yard line to an opposing team, right? I mean, it's just that's that's a quarter of the field, right? It was so funny. Lindsey was standing out there next to me. Lindsey Brown, she was out there next to me on, on the practice field, and we were talking about the, the kickoff rule, and she's like, you're gifting the team 25 yards. It's a quarter of the way to the end zone. I was like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great way to put it. That's the most simple way you could put it so everyone can understand. Like, you're giving them 25 yards for nothing, for waving their hand. They're definitely looking for a loophole. Yeah, and also what, it also goes to what Coach McDaniel said, that we got to see how it's finally written. I feel like the mm-hmm. league, they just said, we're going to do this in the name of player safety. Yeah. But they haven't rolled out. I know games aren't going to be played for another couple months. But we don't even know, like, all of the implications of this said rule. Right. And I think that that was just Roger Goodell where it was him. Oh, he, he pushed was, that. He was yeah. lobbying for it. He had yeah. to get the votes because the owners meeting in Phoenix, you right. know, they table things right. for the one here in May. And it's just him lobbying to get the votes where you guys didn't even have an actual play planned for, you know, how this rule is actually going to be placed out. I think it was just, hey, the fair catch sounds good for the name of safety, right? Right. And now where do we go from here? No doubt, no doubt. Got a quick text for the 925. Raiders didn't vote on that rule. Correct. The Raiders did not vote on that. 702-365-9200. We do have Brad Spielberger coming up next, but let's take one quick call. Who we got, Damon? Mitch in New Jersey. Mitch, tell me something good. What's on your mind? How's it going, Q? Bless. Hey, uh, me too. <laughs> I'm enjoying my vacation. You got you, you to think about it, right? Yep. Wake up, get your health. You don't have any health, you don't have anything. Um, I like that rule. Less injuries, right? It's you know, you know it's, it's so we nowadays it's so easy to kick into the end zone. So, but I like this, this three quarter. Who's gonna be our three quarterbacks? And who's backing up Jacobs? I kind of forgot. Zamir White. Zamir White's the backup for Jacobs, and I don't like the rule. And I get it with the injuries, and you know, there's. There's data out there that shows that it's it's more there's more injuries on the kickoff and it makes common sense. But at the end of the day, man, it's football and there's there's potentially an injury on every single play, contact or not contact. Three twenty eight is the time. Brad Spielberger joins us next. It's Rain Nation Radio nine twenty. It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. I never want to talk bad about anyone who advertises on the radio station because we definitely appreciate them here on Raider Nation Radio 920. But I sure thought that last commercial was like Gilligan's Island or something. I had no idea what I was listening to. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. I ain't heard nobody talk about Gilligan's Island in a long time. But there you go. Nice progressive commercial. So shout out to progressive. Not mad at them at all. Joining us now on the phone lines for Pro Football Focus is our good friend Brad Spielberger. Brad, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I have to, I got to ask you, man, did you think that that was uh, Gilligan's Island when it started playing? I don't know what that was, but whatever it is, I might be a customer. Right, exactly. I'm just saying. I mean, hey, you know, it, it, it's, it was catchy. That's for sure. So shout out to, to Progressive uh, for having that nice little uh, jingle that they had there. I want to talk to you this afternoon about uh, your colleague, Sam Monson. He put out a, a piece on ProFootballFocus.com, PFF.com, about the quarterbacks, ranking all 32 starters ahead of the 2023 NFL season. So before we get into some specific quarterbacks, how how does this all come together? Like, what's the formula there at Pro Football Focus that kind of breaks this down? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, uh, one person will take an article and they'll go through it, look at the data, um, both the grades, but also underlying metrics that he obviously lays out in a bunch of the, uh, you know, the analyses for each player. But I will tell you this. Even if one person is the author, almost every single article that's a ranking is going to get thrown into a chat and they're going to say, you know, solicit as much feedback as they can possibly get from the entire content wing, even a lot of our graders that don't do content will probably chime in and, and share some thoughts as well. So, um, you know, for this one in particular, it was kind of discussed and argued about for a couple days 
before it actually got published. But yeah, it's not just a listing of our grades. It's also, you know, film analysis and, and stats and stuff like that all boiled into it. And then kind of a wisdom of the crowds approach at the very end. So, I mean, today is funny. It's probably a, a weird day to question the ranking of Jimmy G, but it was ranked at 24th. We found out today that he's not cleared to practice yet because of injuries still. But I was a little surprised by his ranking being 24th. Uh, what was the overall thinking behind the fact that, you know, that besides the fact that he's, he's injured quite a bit? Yeah, I would bump him up ahead of, I know we had Kenny Pickett ahead of him. I'd probably swap him at 22, um, put Garoppolo there and, and swap Kenny down at 24th. Um, you know, the thing with him is, and this is very hard in football analysis, and it's an incomplete question, but his surrounding situation in San Francisco was about as good as a quarterback could possibly have over the last couple of years. Not just the fact he has our highest-graded tackle in the history of PFF and Trent Williams, and a couple other very good offensive linemen, not just the fact he has Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, but also might have one of the best offensive play callers of all time uh, in Kyle Shanahan. So you put all those things together, and we do try to kind of isolate, you know, how much of this was Jimmy G and how much of it was the surrounding circumstance. I know he mentioned in that paragraph specifically, we chart big-time throws and turnover-worthy plays. Garoppolo has a higher turnover-worthy play rate than a big-time throw rate, uh, which you never want to see. And then you look at other things, like, the average depth of target is obviously, you know, how, what percentage of a, a quarterback's production is yards after the catch versus air yards. Garoppolo has always been very, very high um, in the yards after the catch percentage of his production. So, so all things like that. But I, I do think, you know, uh, you know, you can't put a guy like Kenny Pickett, in my opinion, ahead, ahead of Jimmy G just yet. Again, Brad Spielberg is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And that's that roughness. Go ahead, Demond. All right, I've got to ask you. I know that Raider Nation doesn't want to look back because the team's got to move forward. But Derek Carr being ranked 14th and everything about him where it says, hey, this was his worst year aside from his rookie year, the year that he had last year. So what's some of that logic of he's the 14th best well, in just this ranking because we know he's not going to be worse than last year? Or is that just a blip? How is he still ranked 14th on this list? Yeah, so that was not to give you too too much of a peek behind the curtain. But I, I when that came, you know that got posted in our chat, I said, well, Russell Wilson had a one year you know downturn. I guess he was hurt the year before that, um, and he he falls all the way down to twenty. You know, why is Derek Carr still kind of staying up where he was? He was the ninth graded quarterback for us for the three seasons from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one. But I think Russell Wilson was top five over that stretch. So you know that that was more a question of I think Sam is still much more confident in Carr kind of bouncing back. Um, thinking that some of the issues last year maybe necessarily were not him, um, you know, maybe more of an opinion in that regard. Whereas, you know, a lot of people, not just Sam, really do think Russell Wilson kind of looks fundamentally, um, you know, just broken both from a physical and a mental standpoint. But yeah, you know, you maybe could nitpick and have Carr a little bit lower in that ranking as well. But it was trying not to overreact to one down year because he showed up very well in pretty much everything we do. But also, just generic stats, he was top ten in yards per attempt. Uh, in that three-season stretch I mentioned, and we, we did not love the Raiders' offensive line from 2019 to 2021 either. Um, we did think Gruden was a good offensive play caller, but, but yeah. So that's probably why he stuck up that high, uh, but I think you could argue he's going to be a couple spots below where he is. Does strength of schedule play a factor at all? Because right now on paper, the Saints have you know one of the easiest schedules, if not the easiest, and the Raiders have a very difficult schedule for 2023. For, for this analysis, no. Like, like looking okay. forward, we wouldn't take that into account. But like looking backwards, if you mean like, you know, for, so, so the grades are not schedule adjusted, but if you're doing an article like this, you're definitely going to go in and be like, how does this guy perform against the good defenses? And, and did he just rack up a bunch of volume stats against the worst defense in the NFL? Um, but, yeah, no, projecting forward, 
you know, he, he, obviously that, that is going to impact. Like Carr does have uh, – we I think we have the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. I think we have the same. Um, and, and obviously the Raiders, I, I, I mentioned yesterday, I think they are top ten most difficult schedule. So, yeah, that, that will go into ranking, but it obviously will impact the production for both guys. When it comes to, let's just say, the top five or even the top ten, are there certain stats where you could say, hey, guys, if they complete this many air yards or this many big play yards or their EPA, the yards after the catch that their receivers have, is there certain that you, you find more in common when it comes to those guys at the top? Definitely. So, so you know, EPA per drop back is a big one. Um, even more like a traditional set, again, I love looking at adjusted net yards per attempt. So what that is is not just yards per attempt, but you also factor in – touchdowns and interceptions a little bit, uh, and that statistic is very, very stable year over year. You're going to see the top quarterback show up in that metric consistently season over season. Um, yeah, and then also we look at other things, too. Like, even in the grades, there are components of grades that are very consistent. So, you know, there are some, some years where a quarterback's great against pressure, but that's actually very kind of volatile and fluky. So we'll look at their grade in a clean pocket, and that is very, very consistent because it ties to, you know, when he is not worried about the pass rush and is just picking a receiver and making a throw, um, you know, is he accurate, is he on time, is he getting his receiver the ball in a position to maybe add some more yards after the catch as well because that's all, you know, yards after the catch is in part tied to the accuracy of the throw. So, you know, things like that show up year after year. And then I've got to ask about the weapons as well. Was that a factor of like these quarterbacks, the weapons that they do have, and how much and how important could those weapons on the outside boost up a quarterback in your eyes? Yeah, I think that that would be a good example of kind of like you know why Jimmy maybe maybe didn't show up very favorably. If he had the production he had in San Francisco, even if Shanahan was still there, but if it was you know coaches are not magicians, right? If it was you know a collection of poor receivers. Uh, and the run game wasn't, you know, the best in the NFL, arguably, that would, that would definitely help and benefit and say, you know what, Garoppolo does have a good system, but we're not about to say he's, you know, not good because the system has somehow magically made bad receivers into good players. So that definitely um, is going to influence your production and your ability. And I'll say to Garoppolo's favor, a couple things that do show up very well for him that I think Carr struggled with. He, he's willing to throw over the middle much more often, which I think is a staple of a Josh McDaniels offense. And if, he didn't take a whole lot of risks, which I think was also kind of an issue with Carr. Um, but but he is willing to kind of throw into some tricky areas sometimes in crunch time, you know, if he needs to. Again, we're talking with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness talking all things quarterback rankings. I wanted to ask you about two quarterbacks in particular, number 15 and number 17, Geno Smith and Daniel Jones. And I wanted to ask because I feel like they've had one year of production from both guys, and they're ranked pretty decently for those. Is that kind of an anticipation of they're going to build off what we saw last year from them? Yeah, I think that would be projecting that they're going to be able to consistently play at that level or, you know, or close to it. I think with Geno, it did help that we had about six games from the year the year prior as well. So it wasn't just last season. Um, and he graded pretty favorably and, and made some nice plays in those games as well. So um, th- that's going to help him. You know, I think people are expecting him to drop off a little bit. I kind of do think he's going to keep playing at a pretty high level. I think the last thing we saw from him was against that Niners defense. Go look at his stats against the Niners in the playoffs. And then go look at what Zach Prescott and Jalen Hurts did against the same defense in the playoffs. Um, he was the best one, you know, against the same opponent. So I think he'll stick there. I'm pretty low on Daniel Jones. Um, <laughs> I, you know, to, to his credit, the receivers they had last year were, you know, like bottom of roster type players, and he was productive with them. And their offensive line should get better as well. 
top 10 pick Evan Neal was kind of, you know, struggled as a rookie at tackle, but I think he'll adjust and get better. Um, so that's probably helping, you know, Daniel Jones as well. But, but I'm not super bullish on Jones long-term personally. All right, so I've got to ask you because when anyone looks at a list, it's always that guy's too low, that guy's too high. Who is someone that you think is too low that's probably going to have a better 2023 than people are expecting? Yeah, so you know, I mentioned Russell Wilson, but obviously he's not like a you know a surprise or anything like that. Um, you know, you look at a couple other ones who kind of nitpicked a little bit. Um, you know, I think Geno at 15 is interesting. Right below him and Jared Goff at 16, never been the biggest fan of his, but I, I think now in that team – you know, you add weapons besides Amon Ross St. Brown, of course, once Jamison Williams is, is no longer suspended. But I think he take another step, and we could be talking about him as, he'll never be a top-five guy. But I think we'll have a conversation of, like, is Jared Goff a fringe top-ten type quarterback? Um, not super mobile, uh, and, and doesn't do a lot of things that current, you know, you know the, the future of the league we don't see. But, but very accurate, very on schedule, um, you know, has good arm strength, good, good arm uh, ability, and, and can make a lot of, you know, kind of weird off-platform throws at times. I think he could maybe, you know, outplay his ranking next year. All right, one of the biggest debates on Raider Nation Radio is how good are the Detroit Lions going to be? <laughs> you think that Jared Goff is a little underrated? How good do you think that team's going to be? Yeah, I, I think they're going to win the NFC North, um, no question about it, and I think they are going to be – an interesting, you know, playoff team come, come, come playoff time. I will say, though, the fifth-best team in the NFC might be the 12th-best team in the AFC, you know, like this season. I, the, the difference in the conferences, to me, is somewhat staggering in just how lesser the competition is the NFC. So, I think they're going to win a division, but, you know, th- that doesn't say a whole lot in the grand scheme of all 32 teams in the NFL. You know, what he's talking about is the fact that me and him have gone back and forth, and I keep saying, Brad, that I'd rather be late to the party where I'm not I'm not sold on the Lions. I'm like, yeah, I need to see it again. And maybe, like I said, maybe I'll be late to the party. I'd rather be that than the first guy to the party. But you sound pretty convinced that they're going to be good. What is it that kind of separates them in the NFC North for you? Like, what are you seeing that separates them? Uh, look, I certainly can't blame you for not jumping on the Detroit Lions bandwagon early. Um, you, you know, uh, it's probably a smart and safer position for you. Yeah, for me, the thing is their biggest weakness by far last offseason was in their secondary. Um, and I think in free agency and adding Cameron Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley, two very good cornerbacks. I think Mosley, if he stayed healthy last year, would have maybe signed one of the biggest contracts in free agency at cornerback. Um, so you buy low on him, and then you add Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Brian Branch. I think they have four legitimately very good safeties when you add in Tracy Walker and Kirby Joseph, who are already there. So their secondary, I think, was going to be the worst unit in the entire NFL. And if you turn that into a strength, um, I-, I think you know their defense was awful last year. So their defense isn't going to be good, but I think it could be you know 15 to 20 range, and that's going to make a massive, massive difference. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. And then, you know, you sprinkle in some more players. Sam Laporte, the tight end from Iowa, I think is a very good young player. Jameer Gibbs, obviously a controversial pick because of how early he went. But <laughs> right. he's going to make a difference, you know, on day one. Brad Spielberger is our guest here at Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Just got one more question for you. Getting back to the quarterback rankings at 25, Bryce Young, rookie. 20, uh, where is it? 30, C.J. Stroud, rookie. 32, Anthony Richardson, uh, where, which one do you feel more confident in out of those three guys? Who do you feel the most confident in may have the best career uh, from those rookie quarterbacks? 
I've always been a Bryce Young guy, so I'll stick with that one. I think the highest ceiling, if he just hits, is Anthony Richardson. But mm. a guy that I'm very, very confident will be at least a good NFL quarterback is Bryce Young. I think his processing ability, his pocket manipulation, um, what he can do outside of structure as well, um, was just head and shoulders above the rest of the class. I know this is like a dumb thing to say, but if he was six foot three, which he's not, um, you know, it, it would have been. We would have talked about him like Trevor Lawrence, like Andrew Luck. It would have been the most obvious pick of all time. Um, I, I think he's a special player. All right, that'll work. I like it. Well, Brad, fantastic stuff, man. Thanks for giving us some time to talk all things quarterback and their rankings. What are you guys working on? What are you working at Pro Football Focus that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm working on some early extensions for the 2020 draft class and also some veterans coming out. So, you know, it's it's never a a quiet moment in the (laughs) offseason to see when that that money's coming through. No doubt. No doubt about it. Fantastic work, man. Thanks so much. Enjoy your uh, holiday weekend, man, and we'll talk soon. You do the same. Thank you. Thank you, brother. There he goes. Brad Spielberg, a great guy, pro football focus. And good breakdown. See, I wasn't insanely crazy, right? I wasn't nuts when I saw that 24 ranking for Jimmy G and thought, wow, that's a – that's a little low. Again, I mean, I look at the guys that are below him, right? And if I'm Jimmy G, you know how Michael Jordan and, and ESPN's had the last dance on for the last few days? They've been having the, the episodes of it. You know how in the last dance he was offended by everything? If I'm Jimmy G, I'm offended by this stuff, right? I'm offended by the quarterbacks that are, are behind me as a guy that's won a lot of games, right? I, I, look, Jimmy G's won games. That was one of the things that he said, or not he said, but everyone said when the Raiders signed him, hey, he's won a lot of games. He's done a lot of great things. Yeah, he gets injured, but he's 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 out there. He's gonna he's gonna succeed in the red zone. He's got twenty five rookie, twenty six Jordan. Okay, Bryce Young is a rookie. He's right behind Jimmy G. Jordan Love is at twenty six. Hasn't been a, a a career starter. He's a first year starter. Sam Hell has a first year career starter. Baker Mayfield's been on like twenty five teams at this point. It feels like like four teams. Right, he went from Cleveland to Carolina to the Rams. Now he's at Tampa Bay. He's at twenty eight. Colt McCoy has not been a great quarterback since the University of Texas. Since he got knocked out of the national championship game against Alabama, that was the last time he was a fantastic player. C.J. Stroud, rookie. Desmond Ritter, first-year starter. Anthony Richardson, rookie. None of those quarterbacks outside of Baker Mayfield have anything that they can hang their head on and say that they're worth the salt in the NFL. Everyone else is absolutely unproven or a rookie. If I'm Jimmy G, I'm like, I'm just, I'm barely ahead of those cats? No, the name right in front of him is the name that that would be mine. I took that personal. Brock Purdy. I mean, that's but, the one that for me, because I'm, I'm, you know, like also Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris over me. You kept him <laughs> over me. Y'all keeping Brock Purdy over me. What did Tom Brady say? You kept that? Yeah. <laughs> that MF? Yeah. yeah. That's no how doubt. I would be looking at Brock Purdy just I know you can't yeah, they don't even they need on the schedule. Right. But I would Brock Purdy over me? Come on now. Right. I mean look, and the thing about it is Brock Purdy got in there, he played some games, he won some games, he got injured, but I mean really, Brock Purdy, I think, and I know that Sam actually referenced Brock Purdy when he was talking about Jimmy G, but really, Brock Purdy stole the job from Trey Lance as far as I'm concerned. Right? I mean Trey Lance was the guy that they went to draft to go and, and be the dude. Jimmy G we all knew he was on his way out. He just didn't he, – he wasn't moved because he was injured. Right? Again, going back to injury. This is how this whole thing, whole thing starts. If I'm Jimmy G, I'm like the one word I hate in the history of history is injury because that's the one that we talk about all the time 
when it comes to Jimmy. 3.49 is the time. Many thanks to Brad. We definitely appreciate him. We want to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200 in the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r Level of concern for one Jimmy G. He's not cleared for OTAs. He's not cleared to practice. Maybe it'll be training camp. Maybe it won't. Let us know about it. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You know, we're young, but it's, it's, a, it's a group of hungry guys, guys that are putting the work in each day, you know, getting extra work in. Um, so, you know, I feel pretty good about, about everybody's skill set that we have in there. Um, you know, so the biggest thing is just continue to learn each other, continue to, to learn how each other plays out there on the field so that, you know, like I said, we can make sure that we're communicating well, feeling each other out, and always on the same page back there. Marcus Epps, he's a free agent get in the offseason. He met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Devontae Adams did as well. And Mad Max Crosby. You'll hear from Devontae Adams coming up about 4 o'clock. We also want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. We've talked to Vinny Bonsignor. We just finished talking to Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. Also heard from head coach Joshua Daniels earlier in the show. Fast and Furious is how we go here on Unnecessary Roughness. Mo DeKeel. Bleacher Report, also the Athletic NBA Podcast will join us at 4.30 to talk all things NBA. One of the questions I'll ask him is what is on the TV screen in my home studio right now, LeBron James to consider playing future over the summer. So, of course, that'll be one of the questions that we ask, and that'll be at around 4.30 when Mo DeKeel joins the show. But right now, want to get your thoughts on Jimmy G and his health and his lack of health right now, May 25th. There's no games being played anytime soon. So right now it doesn't really matter. But at the, in the grand scheme of things, there should be some kind of cause for some concern. So we want to know what level of concern you are at. So, again, 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. 707, hit us up and say, Q, it's the eye test. When I watch Jimmy play, I want to throw up in my mouth. That's from the seven. Oh, seven. And, you know, the funny thing is, like, everyone that we've talked to, when Jimmy first signed, we reached out to a bunch of 49er beat writers and talked to some folks that covered him in San Francisco, and everyone said, Jimmy's a really good quarterback, but there's always going to be once a game where you, you, he had that moment where you say, oh, Jimmy, why? Oh, Jimmy, why? Why did you do that? Oh, they always call it the oh, Jimmy, right? There's always one play, and I remember watching him play, uh, you know, multiple times, that at least once in, in, in every game that I watched him play, it's like, Yep, there's that old Jimmy moment. So I understand what you're saying. And, again, that's a text from the 707. I uh, was able to watch a lot of Jimmy G. Uh, got a text from the 925 talking about the kickoff rule. At least put the ball at the 20 as opposed to the 25. And that's a, um, that's a really good point, man. 25 yards just seems like a lot, Damon, to give up. You know what I mean? If you're just fair catching the ball, you're getting it at the 25? Like, come on, man. So you, uh, the, the 20, and look, this is a one-year thing. Maybe it's not going to, you know, maybe it's not going to stick around after this year. Maybe they're going to decide that, you know what, that wasn't very good. Let's get rid of it. Or maybe they like it and it sticks around forever. But the 20-yard line probably sounds a little bit better, but I still feel like you're rewarding the, the, the opposing team for nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the league is expecting most people to say, as Josh McDaniel said in his answer, who am I to stand up here and like be against this if it's in the name of player safety? Right. Come on, man. The game is the game. Right. And we got to be – so maybe at least the 20 where your teams have to think about it more because, like Lindsey said, 75% of the field, you know, taking yeah. away 25% of the work for them. Right. Who, who's going to turn that down? But at least the 20 makes you think about a little gamesmanship or if you do have a guy who's, who's a returner that's worth the salt – you know what, they know that I can at least, you know, like I said, Keyshawn Nixon a couple of days ago, yeah. 28 yards per return, right. where he can say that the numbers prove it, coach the analytics, that 
on average, I'm going to get you more than that 20-yard fair catch. I'm so, but 25 just, 25 just is like, hey, everybody, I don't want to even see you think about returning it. Right. I'm interested in seeing who just says, the hell with it, I'm going to run it anyway. Right? I want to see who's going to field it at the two- or three-yard line and say, you know what, I know I can get to the 25, but I think I can get to the 35. That right? better I mean, have some job security. <laughs> right, because if, if you don't do it and you don't succeed, all of a sudden you set your team up for failure when you know you could have got 25. Right, and that's how I always judge a, a, a good kick returner. Like, you know, back in the day it was like, okay, if, you, if, if they kick it into the end zone and they kneel it, then, all right, they're going to get it at the 20-yard line. And then now it's obviously the 25. But I look at a kick returner and say, all right, you're already given 25 yards, so – if you're really good and you're worth the salt, like I like to say, then you're giving me more than 25. You're getting to the 30 at least. Like you're averaging, like you said, Keyshawn Nixon, 28 yards. Give me 28. Give me 29. Give me 30 yards because they're giving you 25. Now you can feel that thing, and I promise you, man, as a, as a sideline reporter, and I know I was covering high school football, but there were, nothing would drive me crazier than seeing a kickoff and seeing someone f- fair catch it and get it at the 25. I would just shake my head, and that was high school. We're talking about the NFL. Not high school, not college. We're talking about the NFL. Man, that just it just drives me crazy. Got one more text from the 707, then we'll take a break. Remember in 2014 when Carr was drafted, we had Matt Schaub in free agency. Then when preseason came, Carr became the man. That's what I hope for with O'Connell because J- Jimmy ain't it. There's a lot of uh, unsatisfied uh, customers when it comes to the 707 and Jimmy Garoppolo. And the thing, the only thing that's different between 2014 when Carr got the job, Carr won that job in week in, in preseason game number four against the Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks had their first string defense in, like the majority of them, for one drive. And on that one drive, Derek Carr looked great. And I remember watching that game like, hey, that's got to be the guy. Not to mention Matt Schaub had dead arm. Like they had, he had dead arm when, when they signed him. He was the guy that had thrown so many pick sixes while still in Houston that there was a burger joint there that had called, they, they actually made a, a burger called the pick six. It was the Matt Shaw burger. Like, it, I mean, they were so upset. So they had already moved on from him. They were ready to get him out of town and the Raiders signed him. And I never understood why the Raiders signed him to begin with when he, when everyone knew he had dead arm, but you know, Derek earned the job. He got the start, and he never looked back. So could Aiden O'Connell do that? Possibly, but I would be really shocked if he did that coming out of training camp, especially since you know Brian Hoyer is there, and he knows the system already. So, uh, again, not that I'm going to sit here and throw all my chips in the Brian Hoyer basket, but you do know he's there, and he's available if needed. So I think that they'd probably go in that direction before they award Aiden O'Connell with the starting job. But, again, that's training camp. That's uh, a ways away. Uh, and then they don't play, as Josh McDaniel said, for about 100-something days. So they got some time to figure things out. 3.58 is the time. We'll come back. We'll get some calls. We'll get some texts. We'll hear from Devontae Adams. We'll do it all as we kick off hour number three of the show. Shredder Nation Radio 920.